From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. Anthony Albanese's government faces significant challenges, looming climate disaster, a widening wealth gap and international security concerns. But a year after the election, it's hard to judge just how it will respond to these circumstances. Albanese promises a bold reformist agenda, but the government often appears cautious and slow in its delivery. Anthony Albanese himself comes from the left of the party, but opponents like the Greens have called his government centre-right. Today, contributor to The Monthly, Sean Kelly, on trying to pin down the real intentions of the Albanese government. It's Thursday, June 1. I want to bring Australians together. I want to seek our common purpose and promote unity and optimism, not fear and division. We can answer its patient, gracious call for a voice enshrined in our constitution. A positive, clear plan for a better future for our country. And I have shared the two principles that will drive a government that... Sean, Anthony Albanese himself has said that he thinks the first year in office is an opportunity to demonstrate the character of a government. So if we are to take him at that, how would you assess the character of this government so far? (laughs) Well, look, in some ways this this is the entire question of the piece. You know, what questions is it possible to properly ask after just one year in government? Uh, And kind of where I got to with this is, well, I'm not sure we can give the government a pass mark or a fail mark. So I kind of asked this question, what is its secret centre? And what I'm trying to get at there is what characterises this government? What is it trying to do? How are we thinking about that question? And the answer varies from person to person. But In terms of that tone, I think this government would like to be seen as measured. You know, it certainly pushes back against any suggestion that it is going slowly or gradually. It likes to think that it has done quite a lot of things quite quickly, but it will also say that it has taken them in a measured fashion with good processes, with consultation, with no surprises, a real steady-as-she-goes sense. Mm. Well, one way to try and answer the question of who this government is is by comparing it to its predecessors. I thought first we could talk about the governments that Albanese says that he wants to emulate. So the long-term governments of the past, the Hawke government, the Howard government. So how does this first year under Albanese compare to their initial months in power? Look, it's fascinating looking back at the first years of the Howard and Hawke governments. John Howard's first year was chock-a-block. Telstra's privatisation was enabled, there were incentives for private health insurance, work for the dole was tabled, gun laws were passed, of course, Uh, industrial relations reforms that would go on to become very significant later in that first term with the the huge waterfront battles. And the Hawke government, I mean, you had the Sex Discrimination Act, the reintroduction of Medicare, the accord between businesses and trade unions, the Franklin River was saved. The point is not just that those were big things at the time. The point is that those are big things now. We look back and we think they lasted. And so looking at the first year of the Albanese government, I think most people 
would struggle to put together a list quite as comprehensive as that. Now, the Albanese government do say that's unfair. Now, the Prime Minister in particular points to the climate change achievements, both the increased target in emissions reduction and the safeguards mechanism to enable that emissions reduction. We send the message to the rest of the world, to our friends and allies, that we are partners in tackling the climate emergency. We, friend, we send the message to Australians that we seek to end the climate wars, as the Prime Minister said. They'll also point to the childcare changes, especially in conjunction with paid parental leave. We will expand paid parental leave to 26 weeks, a full six months. You know, the Prime Minister certainly sees that as a massive change. And perhaps it is. One of the great difficulties in trying to assess a government after the first year is not just that not a lot of time has elapsed, but that your perspective shifts with time. In 10 years, it might be the case that some things the Albanese government did in its first year end up looking much bigger, perhaps because they end up sparking fights. For example, the industrial relations law changes that we've seen don't seem that large, but if a battle ensues at some point in the next couple of years, then they'll suddenly look like this massive, massive thing on the political landscape. Or sometimes things can look bigger later on uh, because over time their importance mounts. So the Sex Discrimination Act at the time, I think, uh, you know, was significant in a symbolic sense. Its practical changes in a way became more obvious with time. You know, you've had a quiet, steady, competent government. I think right now that seems really impressive and really massive because of the, uh, particularly the Morrison era that preceded it. But I think the government would say that tone is important in a political sense. It's important in terms of establishing a bond of trust with voters. That tone is a product of approaching things steadily, of strong cabinet processes, of a consultative government, consultative with third parties outside the government, but also consultative with MPs, with ministers, that that tone is actually a product of the style that will allow them to get things done over time. A year in, that is more a claim, it's more a theory than a fact, we'll only know over the years. Mm. And in terms of what the government is actually getting done, I mean, you mentioned some of the things that Anthony Albanese would point to as achievements in this first year, so climate in particular, emissions targets and, and the safeguard mechanism as a way of getting there. But there's also a lot of criticism of the safeguard mechanism, mm. its reliance on carbon credits, and critics often point to it as a way in which the government is being too timid and is failing to do enough on climate similar accusations are put about the timidity of the government when talking about tax reform, for example. So what's your analysis of, of those criticisms and the way that Albanese and his ministers have responded when you've spoken to them about this? I think this does come back to the question of tone. And this is one thing you do hear from inside Labor, that one of the most important elements of the tone that voters are picking up is the fact that fights are not there, that the temperature of politics has come down, that there's not as much yelling as it used to be. But there is an argument that the reason there is less yelling is because the government is not doing things that are as big and brave as they sometimes like to think they are. That the reason that people are not getting upset is because the government is actually being incredibly cautious in the things that they choose to do. 
that's the substance of the criticism around the climate changes, around changes in a whole a whole bunch of areas. Tax, as you said. Very recently, the, the PRRT, the tax on petroleum resources, sailed through. The industry didn't oppose it. And I think that was taken by most people, quite rightly, as a sign that the government had not gone as hard as they should have. Now, the government sees these things as achievements in some ways. Sometimes in private conversations, you'll hear the phrase, you know, we, we got that done without frightening the horses. Whether that's a good thing, I think, is is very much in the eye of the beholder. Uh, obviously, the government is trying to rack up a lot of changes uh, along the way. It thinks some of these changes are bigger than other people think they are, that they have done this through skillful political management. Maybe, or maybe the changes haven't been everything they're cracked up to be. We'll be back in a moment. The Every Moment Matters campaign provides accurate, evidence-based information and advice about alcohol, pregnancy and breastfeeding. It has been created by the Foundation for Alcohol Research and Education and endorsed and funded by the Australian Government. Alcohol use during pregnancy can lead to Fetal Alcohol Spectrum Disorder, or FASD, a lifelong disability. So make the moment you start trying the moment to stop drinking. Visit everymomentmatters.org.au to find out more. As a a 7am listener, you're already familiar with many of the journalists who work for The Saturday Paper. For a limited time, subscribe to Australia's leading independent news source, The Saturday Paper, and you'll receive The Saturday Paper's stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. Sean, one thing the Albanese government could do that would be seen as a way out of perceived timidity would be to get rid of the stage three tax cuts. They do seem at their core to go against the kind of vision that that Albanese publicly talks about for his government, and it would be a bold political move to axe them, wouldn't it? Oh, look, it, it would absolutely be a bold political move. And I think this is one of those examples where you can speculate about something beforehand and it can seem like everybody's on board and then as soon as you announce it, the reaction can be a little bit different. I think you saw this with the job seeker increase, for example. Before the job seeker increase, it seemed like everybody in the media was on board and then as soon as it was announced on budget night, half of the media went in the other direction and went, hey, hang on a second, why are doll bludgers getting money at the expense of middle Australia? You had that real tabloid backlash. And the government, I think, is quite aware that reactions can shift. And I think they see that danger with the stage three tax cuts, that beforehand you have the people complaining about them who are the people most interested in them. And afterwards, everybody will pay attention and suddenly uh, all that anybody will hear about are broken promises. Now, the government might be right, uh, but I think you do come back to this issue of how do you define the character of a government? How do you decide what the character of a government is? And I think we often get our answer from what fights a government is willing to pick because that tells you what things they're really willing to stand for, what they're they're willing to die in a ditch for. Uh, and we haven't seen one of those fights yet. Arguably the Indigenous voice to Parliament, uh, you know, I think that is a bold move that, that the government is not always given credit for in this discussion about whether they're incremental or, or large scale. But outside of that, uh, yeah, I don't think we've seen any of those fights yet. And this idea of the political fight, there is also a danger in trying to sidestep the fight, isn't there, of not actually 
picking a fight, picking a side. Tell me about the problems that that would pose for the government and also for Anthony Albanese personally as someone who does have this background, this reputation of going in hard and standing his ground, of being a fighter. Well, I, I think, you know, this this comes back to uh, an old piece of political wisdom and it's you get authority by using it. If you are in a position of power, that power will go if you don't use it. Now, this has been expressed in different ways. John Howard talked about, uh, you know, you have a certain amount of political capital, it will go one way or another. It will either seep away slowly over time through not being used, or you can burn it up yourself. So you might as well do something. And if you do that, there's a chance of replenishing your political capital. People will see you acting boldly and believe that you are somebody who is capable of acting boldly. And I think if the government is seen as very cautious over a long period of time, then it will be very easy for its opponents, for opponents of particular reforms, to knock them down. Now, Albanese breaks a lot of political laws. You know, he won the last election against a lot of people's expectations. Perhaps we are seeing a new model of government. Perhaps you get authority by using it. Won't turn out to be true for him, but it certainly has been true in the past. Mm. And one thing that struck me reading your piece was that in some ways it's quite difficult to speculate on what a first year of government is like after one year. You need a lot longer than than 12 months to be able to really assess what's happened in that time. Look, you, you absolutely do. I think we will have a better sense in the second half of this year, partly because, as I say, the voice referendum will be behind us, partly because Jim Chalmers was quite explicit at the start of this term that the second half of 2023 was when the serious conversations with voters would really kick into gear and those serious conversations about tax and spending and what needed to happen next. So I think we will be in some position later this year to judge just how serious the government has been about those plans it has vaguely suggested. But look, this government is determined not to be a one-term government, not even to be a two-term government. They are absolutely thinking three terms. And if they are clear in their planning for that, then yeah, it, it will be some time before we have a really strong sense of how to judge this government. Sean, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. Sydney Dance Company explodes on stage with Momenta. This world premiere by acclaimed choreographer Raphael Bonicella is unmissable contemporary dance. Strictly limited season from the 28th of May to the 8th of June. Book now at sydneydancecompany.com. Also in the news today, the Reserve Bank Governor, Philip Lowe, has admitted the bank has underpaid some of its staff. Lowe revealed the underpayment at a Senate estimates hearing, saying the RBA had contracted PwC to perform an audit. That contract was awarded prior to public revelations about the firm's breach of confidentiality. Just last week, it was reported that during a closed-door meeting with Labor MPs, Lowe warned them against supporting generous wage rises. And the federal government will not rule out referring former Coalition Cabinet Minister Stuart Robert to the new Anti-Corruption Commission when it starts operating within months. Special Minister of State Don Farrell said he was deeply concerned over reports about Robert's special relationship with Synergy 360 at a Senate estimates hearing yesterday. Robert denies any wrongdoing and says he only gave advice to the firm that he would give to any other constituent. 
I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. See you tomorrow.